Hello, this is Pastor Ryan Clark. You are listening to a message from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to introduce you to a guy up there. This is my maternal grandfather, Bob Bowman. He uh, passed away a little over 25 years ago, but I have a lot of memories of my grandfather, and many of them are very, very good. He was a great grandpa. And uh, one of my memories that I have of my grandfather is that whenever we were traveling, and I was always in the back seat, my grandparents in the front, they only lived about a half hour from us, and so oftentimes they would come and pick me up and take me to their house or they would take me back home after the weekend. And uh, there were many times that I, from the back seat as a little kid, would be looking out the window and I would say to Grandpa, where are we? I knew that path back and forth between my grandparents' house and our house very well, but oftentimes we were off on some other road. And I remember he would turn around and he, with a little smile on his face, he would say, trust me, I know a shortcut. Well, the way I remember it is that none of his shortcuts were actually short. It was just the opposite. It seemed like it took forever to get back home or to my grandparents' house. They were unfortunate long cuts, not shortcuts. And as I was thinking about that this week, I thought, I wonder what else Google has to say about unfortunate shortcuts. And I found some kind of funny things. The first one is this having to do with cars, just like my grandfather. And you can almost take it that probably most of these people were men, right? And you can look at the picture on the bottom there. You can almost take it, you can almost hear what he's saying in his head, right? I can't wait until I get up to the next stoplight. I gotta turn right now, I'm gonna be late. Well, but that shortcut didn't turn out very well for him. Or the one up on the top right-hand corner. This traffic jam, I got to get out of this some way. I know a shortcut. I'll go down the stairs with my car. Well, that doesn't work out very well. And how about this truck? You see what it says up there? On the road to success, there are no shortcuts. I'm in too big of a rush. I think I can make it underneath that overpass. That would be an unfortunate shortcut. I also found a whole bunch of unfortunate shortcuts having to do with men and ladders. You can almost read what they're thinking. You know, I just need to fix this light fixture or I just need to change this light bulb. Can you hold the ladder on this stairway? Or you know what, if I just add a piece to one side of the ladder, I should be okay, it'll go fast. I don't wanna see how these things ended up. And then there was this guy. I don't even know what he's doing with his shortcut hanging there. And then this one topped them all. I don't know what these guys were doing. How is this a shortcut? Listen, I don't have time to take this piece of wood and put it up on this table. Would you bend over for me and help me? And I saw this picture online too. It says shortcuts lead to deep cuts. 
if you know what I mean. Shortcuts aren't always the way to go, are they? Sometimes they can end up having unintended bad consequences in our lives. Remember that, because we're going to come back to it here in just a few minutes. As you look at our Old Testament passage for today from Deuteronomy chapter 18, here's the background of what's going on. Moses and the people of Israel have been walking through the desert for years. And now here they are right on the precipice of going into the promised land. And Moses stands up in front of all of these people. And he tells them, as we go into the promised land, there are things that the Lord would have you to do. And there are things that the Lord would have you not to do. And so with that background, he says it this way. He says, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft or casts spells, or who is a medium or spiritist, or who consults the dead. So he's saying, when you enter in to this promised land, there's already going to be people living there. And the people that live there are doing things that are detestable in the Lord's sight. And you are not to imitate them. You are not to do the same things that they do because that's detestable to the Lord. What are some of those things? Well, he says, first of all, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. Well, obviously, that is not right. But what's the background here? Well, back during those biblical times, there was in the land of Canaan, which was to be the promised land of the Israelites, there were false gods. One of those false gods was a god named Molech. And the way that people worship Molech is there would be this bronze statue represented up here on the screen, and his hands would be like this, and they would start a roaring fire underneath his hands so that his hands would almost turn red or blue. They were so hot. And then people would bring their babies and put them into those hands, and the babies would die. Why would they do such a horrible thing? Well, the reason that they did it is because they thought that's what Molech wanted. And if we want Molech to take care of us and to take care of our needs, if we want a better life, then we have to sacrifice our kids so that we can have a better life. Do not do that, the Lord says. And then he says, let there be none found among you who practices divination or sorcery. What's he talking about there? Well, in today's world, that would be like the daily horoscopes, horoscopes or, or uh, astrology. Sometimes as you open up a newspaper to some of the back pages, you'll find the horoscope. Those kind of things are detestable to the Lord. And he said, you are not permitted to do those things. He also says, let there be none found among you who interprets omens. What's that? 
Well, that would be like the psychic readers of today. You go to get your fortune read, or you look in a crystal ball, or you use a Ouija board, or any of those kind of things. All of that stuff to the Lord is detestable. He says, let there be none found among you who engages in witchcraft. Well, that's an interesting one because when you look up that word in the Greek, it's the word pharmakeia, which is where we get our word pharmacy or pharmaceutical in a way that we don't quite understand that ancient witchcraft in the time of the Old Testament used hallucinogenic drugs. And so when people today use those kind of illegal drugs, there is a chance that some of the drugs that they're using are actually ones that were used in ancient witchcraft. And God says, that's detestable. You are not to do that. And he says, let there be none found among you who cast spells. You say, well, that's, that's not real, right? To cast spells. It actually is. I know I've shared before that um, one of my secretaries out in New York was a former witch. And I love it that her name is Joy because she was a former witch. And when she was introduced to Jesus Christ and gave her life away, she became full of joy. But she would say that, yes, we cast spells on people. We would curse people that we didn't like, and those cursings actually worked. In James chapter 3, it says, Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. In other words, yes, there are people that curse other people. But God says, amongst you who are my people, that must never come out of your mouths. You are never to curse another human being. The only thing you are to do for another human being is bless them. Anything else is detestable to the Lord. And let there be none found among you who is a medium or spiritist or who consults the dead. Unfortunately, this and all the other things have become more common in our world here today. The mediums are those ones that purport to stand in between the living and the dead. And so you pay them some money and they presume to talk with your dead loved ones. All of that kind of stuff is detestable to the Lord. And just like he said in the Old Testament, you are not to do that. He says to us today as well, none of those things are permitted for you and for me. He goes on to say, anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. You know those people that are there in the land right now? I'm driving, driving them out because of this, because they're doing these things. And if you do them, Israelites, I'll drive you out too. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you will dispossess, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, 
the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The nations that are there right now, Israelites, they listen to the sorcerers. They listen to the mediums. They listen to those who do witchcraft. But you are not to listen to them. Now, why in the world would people back then or today get involved with any of these detestable practices? Well, this is where we get back to where we started. They're shortcuts. But just like the shortcuts that we looked at at the beginning of this message, they are unfortunate shortcuts. Because there are unintended consequences associated with them. Why would people do these kind of things? Well, it's pretty obvious. To get power. If you ever feel powerless in your life and feel like no one really respects you or you, you don't have any influence, something like these kind of things can be attractive. I can get power. I can have power through these kind of things to know what the future holds. That's why people go to have someone tell them their future, to control the future. And worst of all, to control people. This is why people take these shortcuts. Now, why does God consider all of these shortcuts detestable? Well, here it is. Number one, because it is an, an attempt to get what I think I need without going to and through God. All these kind of things, witchcraft and sorcery, it's trying to get power and authority and control bypassing God, going around him. Because it's an attempt to find out my future without involving God. Because it is an, an attempt to control my circumstances without God. You seeing a pattern here? Why are they detestable? Because we're not involving God in them. And finally, like I said, number four, most unfortunate is this, because it is an attempt to control and punish people that I don't like. That's why God hates these kind of things. Here's our very important point for today. God calls us to love our fellow human beings. Trying to control them is the opposite of love. Casting spells, cursing people, that is the ultimate in trying to control people. And control and love are on the opposite sides of the spectrum. And Jesus said, as I have loved you, now you are to love one another. He goes on to say this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from amongst you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. 
Remember, he said you are not to listen to those people that do sorcery and and do all those other things. I'm going to raise up for you a prophet. Listen to him. God says, I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command them. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to the words of that prophet when he speaks in my name. So 1,500 years before Jesus Christ, God prophesies that he's going to raise up a prophet. You don't have to. You don't have to listen to all of that detestable stuff. I'm going to give you someone better to listen to. And who was that? Like I said, 1,500 years later, Jesus Christ arrives on the scene. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the Mount of Transfiguration. But when Jesus was up there on the mountain, God the Father said this, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Who was that great prophet that God was going to send? His own Son, Jesus Christ, who would be not only a prophet, but our priest and the king over all kings, the Lord Jesus Christ. He would come and he would be the one that God would say, this is the one I want you to listen to. This is the one I want for you to involve in your life. And then Jesus in John 10 said these words, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So that great prophet that we are to listen to as our shepherd and we being his sheep would also be the one that would go to the cross and suffer and die for us that we could have an eternal relationship with God. We are to listen to him. Now, what's it look like? Kelly talked about it a little bit in the children's message. What does it look like to listen to the prophet, Jesus Christ? Well, in John 16, he tells us one of those ways. He said, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Remember, that's one of the reasons that people get involved in those detestable practices because they want to know the future. Well, what is one of the things that the Holy Spirit does? He tells us what is to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So Jesus said, After I die and am resurrected and ascend up, into heaven. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And for each person that believes in Jesus Christ and is baptized, the Holy Spirit has come into you. You have the wisest being in the universe living on the inside of you. You don't need any of those detestable practices. You've got all the wisdom you need in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
And how would the Holy Spirit know what to say to you? Well, according to what Jesus says up here in John 16, he's going to listen to Jesus and then he's going to tell you what Jesus says. And so how do we listen to the Lord Jesus Christ? We begin to get acquainted with the Holy Spirit. And one of the main ways that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you and to me is through the Word of God. In Hebrews chapter 4, it says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The Bible is unlike any other book that you will ever read in your life because every other book was written by a finite person for a certain amount of time. And after a few years, that book is dead, so to speak, because it no longer applies to the situation that you and I are in. The Bible is not like that. It is alive and active. In other words, because God himself wrote the book, it is applicable to every generation of people in every situation. And God can take those words on the page and speak them directly into your heart and mind and speak to you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so obviously, if we want to listen to the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to open those Bibles, don't we? we got to get them off the shelf and dust them off and start reading. Whether you start in the New Testament or the Old Testament or Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Romans, whatever it is, just open it up and say, God, speak to me through this word and let him speak to you his living and active words for you. You don't need those shortcuts. You don't need a shortcut to get power. Why? Because the word of God says this in Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and through Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He can do more than you and I could ask or imagine with his power. And notice it says his power that is at work within us. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and because Jesus healed the sick and even raised the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now that Holy Spirit is living in us, he can oftentimes use us to transform people's lives. This is why we have monthly healing services. And next Saturday is our next monthly healing service because of passages like this, because of his great power at work within us to bring healing and help to one another. You don't need to go through the shortcut. You don't need to leave God out of your life. You have all the power that you need because the Holy Spirit is living on the inside of you and on the inside of your brothers and sisters in Christ. You also don't need a shortcut to know what the future holds or to control the future. 
Because God's word says, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the non-believers, they're the ones that run after those things. Your heavenly father knows what you need before you ask, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Here's this promise that he's making here. The world is always worried about their future and making sure that they've got enough. You and I, as his children, we don't have to worry about it. The only thing that we have to worry about is this. God, what do you want me to do today? And as we just ask him that question and seek to do his will every day, he promises that he'll take care of our lives. I don't have to worry about it. That's awesome. And you know what? There's going to be times when we're going to fail. What do we do? We go back to the cross. We say, Jesus, you paid for my sins. Wash me clean anew. And now I'm getting right back up and asking, what do you want me to do again? And we just live in that spirit and let God take care of our future for us. And finally, we don't have to take that shortcut to control people. Why? Because God's word says this, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. God is saying through this passage, I have my job, you have your job. Don't get those jobs confused. My job is to discipline when discipline is needed. Your job is to love people unconditionally, whether they're treating you nicely or whether they're not. Let me take care of any vengeance or any discipline that is necessary, you just love people. The problem is, is when we begin thinking, God isn't working fast enough, so I need to do his job for him. And that's when that control and that manipulation comes in. But remember, control is the opposite of love. God says, you just love people. Let me take care of any disciplining that needs to take place. Now, why would I take this biblical advice instead of those shortcuts where I go around God? Well, as we've said kind of to ad nauseum here today, because those are detestable to the Lord, those spiritual shortcuts. Secondly, because shortcuts have eternal consequences. They not only have consequences here, but they have consequences eternally as well. And by the way, when we get involved in that stuff that God said is detestable, it's like opening a door for the demonic to come into my life. And I don't want any of that garbage in my life because we know that Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So I don't want to give him an entrance into my life. And finally, most importantly, why don't I take those spiritual shortcuts and go around God? 
because Jesus didn't take any shortcuts when it came to me. Think about what Jesus went through for you and for me. All the suffering that he went through and the death. Now remember, he was tempted out there in the garden to take a spiritual shortcut. Lord, if there's any other way. But when it became obvious that the father said there's no other way to save these people from their sins, Jesus said, okay, then not my will, but yours be done. He didn't take the shortcut because he wanted you and me to be forgiven and to have a relationship with God that goes on forever. So why would I take a shortcut that doesn't involve God when Jesus went through all of that so that I could have God in my life? So remember, a lot of the shortcuts that we take, especially these spiritual shortcuts, have unintended consequences, and God doesn't want that for any one of us. And God has made sure that we don't need any of those because we have the great prophet, priest, and king, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as our God. May none of us ever take those shortcuts and instead involve him in our lives. May God grant it to each and every one of us for Jesus' sake. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from St. John's Lutheran Church in Buffalo, Minnesota. If you would like more information about St. John's and any of our ministries to our community and beyond, you can go to our website, www.stjohnsbuffalo.org. Thank you and God bless you.